when I meet people, I'm very impressionistic. Like I, I love learning about them and I almost like try on their clothes. I like yeah. to, you know, experience things in their own shoes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, you know, just to be like, see how it relates to me. So I just started kind of incorporating more and more of a plant-based diet and less meat in my life. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of things changing for the better. Mm. And it came down to just like my energy level. Granted, I am a pretty energetic person, but it was, you know, significant enough that I noticed like I wasn't drinking a quad shot of espresso in the morning or I wasn't getting that afternoon coffee and that 5 p.m. coffee. Um, and I just started feeling lighter on my feet, quicker to respond, um, more organized, like with my work as well. And being able to, you know, come up with responses, even with patients faster. Just having more sure. clarity. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. I'm your host, Pat McCauley. This podcast is all about celebrating the lives of those who have adopted a plant-based or vegan lifestyle and how it has positively impacted their health, relationships, outlook on life, and so much more. For more episodes and information about the benefits of living a plant-based or vegan lifestyle, visit eatgreenmakegreen.com. This week's episode is sponsored by Plant Fit Summit 2017. So when I was over in Singapore a few months back, I met an amazing dude named Luke Tan, uh, a CrossFit athlete over there, uh, just a total beast. Uh, he was a previous guest on the podcast. I interviewed him when I was over there, uh, episode number nine, if you want to go check it out. But at the time, he told me about this uh, summit he was planning that he called Plant Fit Summit. Um, and he was putting it together and traveling all over the place and, and tracking down top doctors, top nutritionists, uh, top athletes um, all over the world that uh, live plant-based lifestyles. And there's a, there's a total of 33 guests that he interviews. And they're just all incredible uh, you know, experts in their field and very influential people uh, for U.S. citizens, uh, names you'll recognize like uh, Dr. Neil Bernard uh, and, and Rip Esselstyn, uh, the founder of Engine 2, um, all kinds of people, um, all kinds of different stories, um, you know, whether it's somebody overcoming heart disease, diabetes, and, or cancer through plant-based living, um, or, or, you know, somebody who lost 300 pounds with a plant-based diet, all kinds of amazing stories. There's even one story that stood out. Uh, there's a lady, uh, interviewed on the summit that she was given a few months to live after a cancer diagnosis, uh, you know, changed her way of living. And now she's in her sixties and she literally just ran 366 marathons in 366 days. Uh, so just incredible uh, stories, and literally the summit uh, answers every possible question you can have about health and wellness. Uh, it covers all aspects from what should you be eating, what should you be doing for exercise, um, you know, mental wellness, just every area. Uh, Luke just did an incredible job kind of uh, covering all the bases with it. Uh, it starts on September 1st. Uh, it goes through uh, September 10th. Um, it, I just highly recommend it um, if you're looking for information on kind of what to do to 
live your best life and make sure you're around for the ones you love and, and all that good stuff. The link to sign up is bit.ly slash EGMG summit. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-M-G S-U-M-M-I-T. I'll also leave the link in the show notes on my website, uh, and I highly recommend you check it out. Welcome back, everybody. On this week's episode, I sit down with the spectacular Natalie Blevins. Natalie and I have gotten to know each other over the past year or so uh, because she dates my very close friend, Peter Oswald. For those that have been following the podcast uh, since the beginning, Peter was um, on for episode two. Um, so one of the first people I had on the podcast, um, it's a great episode. Uh, Peter's the founder of Darwin clothing. Um, it's a very entrepreneurial, uh, podcast and talks all about why he lives a plant-based lifestyle. Uh, so if you're interested in, uh, hearing more about Peter and what he's doing with Darwin, uh, definitely go back and check out episode number two. Uh, so Natalie is a local physician's assistant here in Boston and over the past six months, uh, she has um, adopted a fully plant-based diet. So we talk about everything from her life growing up on an orchard in rural Pennsylvania, why she chose a career in the medical field, what prompted her to start eating a more plant-centered diet, um, and how she's able to listen to her body and then take action on what it's telling her. Um, I feel like so many people are always talking about listening to their body, um, but they don't seem to be able to take the next step and match what their body's telling them to actual action. Most people know um, when they eat something and they feel like crap that they probably shouldn't be eating that, um, but people find it hard to actually eliminate that thing from, from their diet. And Natalie seems to just be able to uh, do so quite easily. You know, when something makes her feel bad, she cuts it out of her diet. And uh, just the ability to take action on that is um, something that I think is, is, um, is important. Um, and finally, why she's just always trying to learn and grow. Uh, Natalie is just a ball of energy. She's just awesome. She's always smiling. She's always positive. And she's always open to hearing other people's perspectives. And I think especially um, in the plant-based and vegan communities, uh, we can kind of get in um, kind of this bubble. And uh, I think it's really important to always be open to hearing other people's perspectives, whether they agree with you or not. Um, and she's just always open. Uh, to hearing other people's thoughts and in learning something from it and then uh, experimenting with it in, in her life and seeing how uh, it kind of affects her life. And that's actually how she kind of wound up uh, being plant-based. So um, she's an absolute pleasure to be around. Um, I'm extremely fortunate to uh, have gotten to know her and call her a friend. And uh, she's also a killer cook. She uh, fired up some homemade hummus uh, for this conversation, and uh, after we talked, made some vegan pad thai that was just killer. Um, so without further ado, the wonderful Natalie Blevins. All right, Natalie Blevins in the house, along with uh, the promiscuous Peter Oswald in the background here. So. 
if you hear any background chirping, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're here um, in Marina Bay, beautiful new uh, apartment complex here, Natalie. Thank you. And Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me in. And we just had some nice hummus and some <laughs> uh, chips and uh, some, some veggies and whatnot. On the house. On the house. And that's, that's only the first round for the evening, I hope, right? Absolutely. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, thanks for taking the time. And um, for the listeners, we had Peter, um, your boyfriend who you live with here, mm-hmm. my close friend, uh, on episode two. <laughs> if you recall, the, the founder of Darwin Clothing, Peter Oswald. Um, so that's how we kind of know each other, because you're obviously the very... Very unlucky girlfriend of Peter Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, so you have recently, you know, adopted the plant-based lifestyle and all this. And we're going to get into all that. Uh, but first, let's just take it back. Let's get the full background from growing up to like what life was like growing up to like what you were fed growing up as a kid. That sort of thing. Let's, let's do the whole thing. The whole background here. I feel like you are at the lunar eclipse right now, sitting in front of the <laughs> I'm, sun. Yeah, I'm directly in the yeah. sun right now. Um, yeah, so I am from Pennsylvania originally. I grew up on an orchard, which is very different from a lot of you. And is an orchard just fruit? Yes, okay. just fruit. No animals, except a yellow lab named Paco. Okay. And it was, it was interesting. It was awesome. I had a very different childhood compared to what you and Peter had here, um, close to the water, but it was awesome. And growing up with a family owned business, um, taught me a lot and, and gave me a lot of character and also built my uh, work ethic significantly. And it, it just shaped me into who I am today. And having that, having an abundance of endless fruit and vegetables, fresh, you know, fresher than you could ever imagine, just plucked off the tree. It was incredible. So I, I it's, it will always be a special. So are we talking like house right on the farm? Yep. Like you live there, you work there. Yeah. Took the golf cart out for, you know, a couple of cherries. Yeah. Whereabouts, so whereabouts are we in Pennsylvania? Uh, it was a small town called Stortstown. All right. And we're talking like, like to, to somebody that grew up around here, it's middle of nowhere? Yes. Very okay. rural. Okay. Um, we had over 400 acres of fruit trees, wow. and we grew everything from strawberries. That was the first fruit of the season in May. Strawberries, sweet cherries, sour cherries, apricots, plums, pears, apples, peaches. Peaches were our biggest crop. Yeah. White peaches, nectarines, sweet corn, and fresh veggies. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, and my parent, that was in my dad's family for three generations. And my parents recently just retired after running the business for 40 years themselves. So I'm super happy for them. But it, it is bittersweet because now when I visit home, we don't have that fresh fruit. But I'm happy for them to finally call it quits on farming and enjoy life together. Yeah. And, and are they, do they still live right around there? Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah. They're still right on the farm. Um, which is cool to have, you know, that abundance of land around you, that seclusion. It's different, but it's it, it's definitely a different feel. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. And I think they'll stay there for a while yeah. and they can rent out the land and 
still enjoy it. Yeah. So what are we what are we eating growing up? A ton of fruit and veggies yes. or Yes, I was What are you guys still like eating other things? I well, would assume. Totally. My yeah. mom I am very fortunate my mom raised us with a very um a very solid like background with food, like a healthy eating plan per se. Um, she studied nutrition in college and we always had very balanced meals. You know, again, fruit and vegetables were the main part of our meal, but it was always very balanced, a meat or a protein, greens, and a grain of some sort, typically. And we also always, looking back, and, you know, at the time you don't realize it, but we really strive to have that family meal together at some point every day, whether it was breakfast, dependent upon our schedules or especially during the school year, and regardless of my brother and I playing three sports, we somehow managed to, you know, be able to sit down and have a family meal together, which yeah. was awesome. So what what sports were we playing? So I played, uh, I played basketball, field hockey, and soccer, and I also, violin was a major part of my life as well. Mm-hmm. And then we also, we both skied. So, nice. Yeah, nice. and we had a, a mountain pretty close to our high school, so his senior year, my sophomore year, we would we would go up at you know in the evenings and do like a nighttime ski sesh, mm-hmm. which was fun. so we fun. got so we got childhood. You got the the balanced diet going. Yeah. You got you're active. You're obviously outdoors a lot just because yeah. of like where you live and everything. Um, cool. So go to lo- local high school. Yes. Yeah. And then off to college. Yeah. And tell us about college. Where'd you go? So I went to Penn State. I toured a lot of colleges, and as soon as I stepped on that campus, I was like, it hit me so fast. I was like, this is it. You know, there was no need to even continue touring or even continue applying because I had such a gut feeling and that just that instinct, like, I belong here, and there's so much opportunity and just people to meet. I Like, I that first, I still remember that first week of school, I was high on life. I was so excited to see everything and like constantly be meeting new people and see new faces. Like that just like gave me so much energy and I was pumped. And so how how far from, from home is Penn state? Two, two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. So far enough to make it feel like you're away. Exactly. Yeah. And I wanted the big school experience. I was kind of sick of everyone being in my business and I wanted to branch out, meet new people, start fresh. Yeah. So what are we, what are we eating in college or is the kind of balanced diet that you grew up on like totally out the window or like what's going on um so i I, again college is college definitely drank more than i needed to but again needed to experience that for myself and figure that out um i still looking back granted freshman year i lived in the dorm so it was the meal plan but sophomore through senior year I lived in apartments and I really I always enjoyed cooking so I tried to keep it as healthy as I could Um, also to backtrack in high school I went through a period of time of an eating disorder that I managed to develop pretty quickly in the span of like two months yeah so can you quickly just kind of define what that looked like in terms of yeah so it wasn't there was no rhyme or reason about it it was just kind of that you know that adolescent experimental stage where I became very and again I playing three sports and always working out I was very in tune with my body but it it just became 
almost like an obsession to like see how far I could take it and how much control I could have over mm-hmm. my own diet and just a complete elimination to the point of a very unhealthy state. Yeah. So I dropped, I would say, 35 pounds in the span. I went from like, I don't know, like 120, 125 down to like 90 pounds in the span of like two months. Yeah. And so it was pretty scary. So in you're talking like just like really like calorie conscious was that more or less it or was yeah, it yeah and also yeah. food groups just very and i knew it wasn't great but it got to a point that was completely out of my control yeah and i was diagnosed pretty quickly and uh i was very upset about that to have that diagnosis and i i was very determined to fix that yeah. so i you know turned it around pretty quickly um and my main goal was to be able to participate in field hockey that following fall season yeah so you know, that was kind of a wake-up call to me. However, after you experience something like that and when you push yourself to that degree, a little bit of that always sticks with you. Yeah. And I would say at this point, it's a much healthier state. But, again, I'm still very conscious of yeah what I eat. So college, again, not my best in regards to food choices, but I still try to keep myself yeah. in tune with my body and still try to yeah. manage to incorporate a healthy yeah diet and you're still but are you still kind of like battling that no no issue with food no no not at all so that pretty much resolved itself before college for the most part yeah 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 cool so what do we study at penn state so i studied so i that also intrigued me um regarding nutrition Mm. so i always was fascinated with diet exercise you know fitness overall health and i went through a series of when i was much younger i thought I was going to play in the WNBA. My height kind of <laughs> put that to bed. Um, I also <laughs> I wanted to be a writer. I was so obsessed with writing. I, mm-hmm. When I was little, I would sit in front of the computer and just type away. Um, and then I thought maybe I'd write for a magazine or like a health journal. Yeah. And then I was like, no, that's not gonna that's not gonna fulfill me. I wanted more interaction. And more like one-on-one with people. I love interacting with people um, and communicating and helping others. Mm -hmm. And that's my passion. Mm -hmm. I love um, meeting, you know, just creating a positive experience for people and seeing a before and after. So that kind of led me into the medical field. So I chose a major that could open the doors for a lot of different opportunities. And I had an older brother who was already pursuing medical school. Yeah. And I saw how challenging that was and grueling time-wise and just, you know, the lifespan of just school itself. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think that's for me. Yeah. Um, and I found out about the physician assistant role, and I was like, that, that's calling my name. That's yeah. it. So I chose a major in biobehavioral health, which was an integrated major of biology, psychology, and nutrition. And then I also decided to minor in nutrition because there was still that part of me that was like, you know what? I think being a dietitian would be pretty cool. Yeah. So that's the path I chose. Cool. So what was, what was the nutritional component of that like in college? Like what were they? It was intense. What were they? Yeah, it was intense. Yeah. The the courses those were probably my most challenging courses. However, my my favorite. 
Yeah. Because I was like, wow, th- this takes it down to, you know, the, chemi- the chemical level and, you know, drawing out structures and, you know, the O-chem that just about killed me. But I was like, you know what? This is cool yeah. that I, you know, I wouldn't say mastered it, but like yeah. I got a firm grasp on those topics and I could take that with me. Yeah. Whether it- or not I chose a field in nutrition or not. Yeah. And are they telling you like what's healthy and what's not? Or is it more like a broad here's what's going on with this group of people that eats this way or like is there is there any sort of consensus or kind of like way they point you to say like this is healthy versus this isn't uh yeah some again it it was based on the classic food pyramid and you know which foods you should incorporate into your diet and which are considered bad however it also was down to the chemical level of how you digest, you know, certain fats, proteins, mm. carbohydrates, and alcohol, and also, you know, what down to like the vitamins and minerals and what we need, and you know, the food sources for those. And some of the courses were, you know, creating diet plans for patients with diabetes, or yeah, you know, cool. but it was based on your standard food pyramid. There right. was no, and again, this was my minor. If I would have pursued. A major in that maybe we would have tapped into some of the other diets including vegan yeah. or vegetarian pescatarian but then again and now i feel like that was pretty long ago so yeah. yeah all right so graduate and you're off to pa school yeah 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 and I, where do we do that i managed to get in right after college which was awesome i was very fortunate to be able to do so because I wasn't really interested in taking a year off. I was like, I don't want to lose my momentum. Yeah. I was an avid learner. I, I, I will admit I loved being a student. <laughs> so yeah. I was just ready to take in more information and continue to meet new people. And I came to Boston. Mm-hmm. And I went to Mass College of Pharmacy right mm-hmm. here in Boston. And that was a three-year program. And I always knew, even touring undergrad schools, I loved Boston. I was like, I feel like I'm going to end up here at some point in my life. Yeah. And here I am. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So real quick, just to, again, harp on the nutrition. PA school, is there any any nutrition in so PA school? That's a great question because our nutrition uh, <laughs> our nutrition course, we didn't really have a nutrition course. So same thing with medical school. I forget yeah. the exact percentage, but it's a very low percentage of the curriculum yeah. that is like actually directed towards diet, nutrition, and preventative medicine. Yeah, yeah, which right. Is sad. Right. Yeah, I had a uh, a doctor on the podcast in one of the early episodes, and he, you know, went through full medical school residency, mm-hmm. and he said he had two classes that were very broad. They told him, you know, and this is recently just got out of medical school this past year, mm-hmm. and he had been vegan for a while, but he's sitting in class and. They're telling them, like, you know, we don't know the cause of heart disease. And we don't, you know, things like that that he just totally disagreed with. But also it was only, like, 1% of his entire medical school curriculum. Right. Uh, Which is a huge problem, and that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So uh, what do you do now in terms of PA? So um, you're, you're specifically a hand doctor? Is that right? I or I work assistant um, to a yeah. yeah so you, I work away, in yeah. hand specialty. Hand so, specialty, yeah. Which sounds 
it sounds funny, but it is a subspecialty of orthopedics. Yeah. Uh, so it is fingertip to elbow. And it it fascinates me. And every day I'm learning something new because it's such a complicated, it's just a, such a complex area of your body. Yeah. That is, you know, that we all need. And, you know, when you have an injury to your hand or you break your wrist and, you know, you have to be in a cast for four to six weeks, it's just like... I see patients and they're just like, well, what, how am I supposed to, you know, brush my teeth? How am I supposed to get dressed? Like, how am I supposed to live? Yeah. And then you step back and you're like, wow, yeah, we really. Yeah. That little pinky injury does do that. (laughs) It does does affect your grip. So how did you, how did you kind of get into that? Was it just kind of like there was an open job and you took it or like, was there some thought behind it? No, there, there definitely was some thought behind it. I, going into PA school, you know, my opportunities were endless. I was, again, I was very excited to, you know, just to learn and to, you know, find where I'm supposed to be. And I originally thought like, oh, maybe I'd be interested in dermatology or maybe I'd be interested in delivering babies or Mm. maybe, you know, plastic surgery or orthopedic surgery. You know, I really, again, I like seeing a before and after and I I love helping people and I, I want to like see a change and I want you know, patients to confide in me and I, I want to develop a relationship that works. Yeah. So going through PA school, our first two years were didactic where we have classes and, you know, learn everything, anatomy, um, uh, medical history, just like the pathology and everything. So then third year is our clinical rotations and we get five weeks into different fields, including pediatrics, internal medicine, ER, everything. So during my rotations, I found myself really excited for surgery, (laughs) which entailed waking up at like 3.30 a.m. to be there at 4 and to get ready for rounds. You know, it was grueling, but maybe growing up on an orchard and just, again, I was, my excitement, I just found myself, that came easy to me. and. I didn't care about the time. I was excited to get into the OR and, like, see the anatomy and, you know, see a before and after from start to finish. And orthopedics always intrigued me, and I had a lot of fun on that rotation working with orthopedic surgeons. And one of them asked me, you know, what are you interested in? And I was like, well, this seems fun. Yeah. You know, like, this is great. And he was a hand surgeon, and um, I... I gave him my contact information, and he set me up with another hand surgeon in the Boston area, and that's how I got my interview. Cool. And I also did my elective in plastic surgery, which is another way to specialize in hand specialty. So I had some more experience with hand injuries in that as well. Yeah. And I just was like, this is this is cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So what's the what's the most common like thing people are coming in with? So from Trauma, it would be wrist fractures mm-hmm. uh, or finger fractures, um, hand fractures, boxers fractures from punching walls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that those are pretty common. And then with, I would say, non-traumatic injuries or patients would be carpal tunnel, yeah. trigger fingers, tendonitis, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's kind of the general treatment, like for the non, um, kind of broken bones, non-traumatic? Yeah. What's, what, like, what is it like, 
give him a couple Advil and like a couple stretches to do or like, like what's, what do you prescribe? So I, again, it depends on the issue, but typically for like a, for example, for a tendonitis, it's, you know, stepping back and being like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, what are you doing repetitively? Uh, And it's really hard for anyone to stop what they're doing, especially if they love what they do, including a workout regimen or like if they're an avid like rower or mm. weightlifter they're like well i can't take two weeks off from the gym what are you talking about yeah right. like it's really hard to convince <laughs> yeah. someone to do that yeah um, but sometimes you know that pain is your body saying hey you need to rest yeah and a lot of us including myself don't always listen to that little voice mm. so mm. first and foremost is activity modification potentially wrist splinting um and you know, give or take ice, whether or not it's an acute injury or not, ice or heat. Um, and yes, the non-steroidals or the NSAIDs, such as ibuprofen, Aleve, um, and those can help with in- inflammation as well as pain. Yeah. So that's tip. That is the probably the most common medication I prescribe. Yeah. Other than narcotics for post-op pain med- management, but. Mm-hmm. Is there any in the field in the um, elbow to el- elbow to fingertip? Is that that's the range we're talking? Yes, that's the range. Is there any talk of nutrition in there? Is yeah. there like there is? Yeah, cool. yeah. So and you that. know what? Recently, I think I've kind of tapped into that a little more in regards to, because diet and comorbidities, including diabetes, um, affect your body in crazy ways including you know diabetes it's not a direct correlation but there is an association with diabetes elevated blood sugars or uncontrolled blood sugars and um, symptoms of carpal tunnel Mm. and trigger finger yep so i used to and you probably know this but and i talk about it in my book but i when i used to eat healthy like the whole reason i got into changing my diet was because I would literally wake up in the morning, like couldn't tie my shoes some days Mm -hmm. because my hands hurt so bad or my elbow hurt or, you know, my knees killed when I got out of bed. And that actually was kind of one of the catalysts that started me to changing my diet. And that has since all gone away. All Mm -hmm. of the inflammation in my hands and my wrists, all that has gone away. And, you know, things I used to blame on exactly what you're saying. I used to blame it on weightlifting. I used to blame it on playing sports. Um, you know, I used to row, um, all these things that, you know, I thought were contributing to it. And I thought that I'd have to just live with the pain. And when I changed the diet, that all went away. And I was still able to do all those things. Mm -hmm. Even I was actually able to do them more. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I think like what you do is interesting. Um, and I think like the diet component, especially when it comes to anti-inflammatory for that type of stuff, is is something that could be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and it shocks a lot of patients, too, because if their blood sugars have been elevated recently and they are starting to experience these symptoms, and if I ask them that, they're like, well, yeah, actually, yeah. they have been a little out of control. Yeah. Now, then the bigger issue is having them fix that yeah exactly because exactly. <laughs> not everyone wants to change their yeah. diet and there's also like believe it's related yeah and certainly other things i think come into play like sleep and mm-hmm. you know just kind of 
overall activity and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm preaching in the choir here. You know this better than I do. So at what point does kind of a diet transformation creep in for you? For myself? Yeah, on the plant-based side. When does, when does this all kind of happen? So like when did I start to adopt more of a plant-based yeah. diet? Yep. I would say, where are we? We're in August. <laughs> um, I would say probably like six months ago. Yeah. So I, again, I loved cooking for myself. And even before meeting Peter, I like always. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, that a, is that a boat coming in? Is that what that is? That's just Peter. That's Peter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Bring the alarm. That's what Pete does when he walks <laughs> in the door yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Nice. Um, I would say, like, I always, again, growing up in an orchard, I always incorporated lots and lots of fruits and vegetables into my diet. Yeah. And I still ate, I always loved seafood. So I would choose seafood over any, like, red meat or chicken or, like, pork. Yeah. And what's funny to me is I never enjoyed handling meat. Because when I, living by myself, I rarely cooked meat for myself. And anytime I went home, my mom was like, what do you want to eat? Because yeah. I just didn't like handling it. Yeah. And I, I could live on fruits and vegetables alone, but I felt like I needed some you form needed of protein. protein. You right. needed your protein. Yeah. And I'm also severely iron deficient uh, without anemia. So I figured I needed some source of iron, which yeah. is typically from yeah. red meat. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So then... After meeting Peter and like just hearing about his dietary changes, and again for different reasons, yeah. but seeing him incorporate more and more of a plant-based diet, and it just kind of opened up my eyes, yeah, significantly, yeah, to the point where now he, now here I am, fully embracing a plant-based diet and loving it, and I've never felt better, yeah, and I. I guess over the month, like February, March, and I was just kind of experimenting, and I guess you could say I'm pretty, I'm very, I'm, when I meet people, I'm very impressionistic. Like, I, I love learning about them, and I almost, like, try on their clothes. I like yeah. to, you know, experience things in their own shoes, mm -hmm. and I'm just, you know, just to be like, see how it relates to me. So I just started kind of incorporating more and more of a plant-based diet and less meat in my life. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of things changing for the better. Mm. And it came down to just like my energy level. Granted, I am a pretty energetic person, <laughs> yeah. but it was, you know, significant enough that I noticed like I wasn't drinking a quad shot of espresso in the morning or I wasn't getting that afternoon coffee and that 5 p.m. coffee. Mm -hmm. Um and I just started feeling lighter on my feet, quicker to respond, um, more organized, like with my work as well. Mm. And being able to, you know, come up with responses, even with patients, faster. Just having just more sharper. clarity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just continued to, you know, not I, I don't want to say eliminate because that sounds bad in a way. Yeah, it sounds like you're restricting yeah, yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just started just feeling like I don't really need this. Mm. I don't really need that piece of meat or quote unquote protein on my plate to feel fulfilled mm. or feel full. Um, and it, I'm also, and I love cooking and I was really intrigued with like, all right, what recipes can I find? What, you know, what can I mix up or whip up for the evening? And that's when 
especially in the winter, I became obsessed with making stews. Yeah. <laughs> which I think Peter had enough of. But you're done with the stews, dude? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can find a way to make such a heart like a hearty like stew with a grain base and lots of veggies and that would make me so happy and so full and i just continue to eliminate protein and i still like was hanging on to fish and sushi here and there but after a while and when i would go home and have fish i would feel extremely full mm. i wouldn't be sick but i just was like, it's like an uncomfortable Ooh. yeah yeah not even though I didn't overeat, I just felt like, whoa, this feels different to digest this, which yeah. makes sense. Proteins are very hard to digest. Yeah. That's why you stay satiated much yeah. longer. So what did you, because iron is a big one people always talk about. So how have you kind of approached that? Or do you even think about it or <laughs> like, how have you gone about that? I do. Uh, however, I have not approached it very well. I haven't really ad addressed it. I have an iron supplement. However, I was taking that on and off for a while, but I wasn't noticing a change in the past year with my annual physical and my yeah. ferritin levels, which is your stored iron level. So then I was like, well, am I, one, malabsorbing the oral iron that I was taking? or And because it wasn't much of a change, it actually had increased one point after eliminating red meats. Yeah. So I was like... Am I malabsorbing the any in, like intake, or is, is there something I'm doing that's expending way too much iron? Yeah. And if you look it up, running. And looking back over the past year, I used to just crush my body with running. Like, yeah. I I don't know why it was kind of just like my kryptonite. Like that was my release. Yeah. That was my meditation zone. I trained for a half last summer. And I, I still ran way too much. Yeah. And I would say over the spring time, as I was making these changes, and again, just trying out new things uh, for the better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started running less and less. And now I'm kind of curious as to what my ferritin level would be. Yeah. So just to touch on iron quickly for people listening, what a lot of people don't know is that your body converts um, non-heme iron, which is plant-based iron, mm -hmm. into heme iron um, as much as you need. But kind of the big thing people argue is that your body's not very good at converting non-heme plant-based iron into heme iron, mm -hmm. as opposed to if you just had like exactly. a piece of steak and you got heme directly. But, um, you know, working with different people, um, especially my mom, the first person I ever worked with, um, her iron level, same thing. They went up after she, you know, got rid of all the meats. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of this, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, like, I, I think when we talk about the iron and we talk about the B12 and we talk about all these things in, in food, all these things we need, I just don't think we at all fully understand how the body deals with those things. Absolutely. Like saying, you know, what your body does with, you know, a piece of kale uh, versus a piece of meat is like saying, you know, like what every creature in the ocean does. Like it, like pretty cool. it's just so vast and so, uh, beyond our understanding. Um, and so unexplored in mm -hmm. like, I just don't think like there's a, a, a logical 
explanation to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I can't um, say that everyone process the, processes that the same either. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And I, th I just think like, you know, putting these levels on, you need a certain amount of this and you only get it from here. Um, and your body doesn't absorb it as well from this source. And I just don't buy into any of that. Right. It, it's kind of like, just listen to your body. Right. Um, and that's what I saw a hematologist and it was, I was intrigued to see what they would suggest and yeah. they suggested repeating my iron uh, repeating my ferritin level and potentially starting uh iron infusions so mm. iv iron infusion so yeah. it's not eaten it's not orally digested it's an, an infusion so yeah it will increase your levels yeah so what i mean what led them to that like obviously your iron levels are determined to be low like, well, are you feeling badly? Like, why do the they, <laughs> why do they like insist on like getting your iron levels to a certain level? Like who right, determines right. Like, what's normal? What's normal? Because right. everything like, especially in the Western world, like we were talking about blood, blood pressure mm -hmm. earlier tonight and how like your blood pressure, you know, you got your blood pressure the other day. You said, yeah, right? it was pretty, was pretty like low. well below what's normal. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with, a lot of these markers, these biomarkers, they're set so high for the normal, like unhealthy American that when you're healthy and you're like off the charts low in some of these things, <laughs> like you're considered, you're considered like it's, it's a red flag. Right. And I just don't know. I right. question it. I, I do too. Considering I think Peter can attest for this too. I, I am a ball of energy yeah. like from the moment I wake yeah. up and <laughs> I, I, I go, 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 like, I don't really yeah. stop unless if someone, like, sits me down. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. I crash. Yeah. Um, hence why any movie I try to watch, I fall asleep because once I lay down, <laughs> I can't stay awake for even the opening credits. But yeah. anyway, um, so the, the hematologist I saw said that maybe I've become accustomed to functioning at this level so yeah. well that I don't even notice how fatigued I am. Yeah. But I, I don't really, I can't, I don't, I don't really buy that. I don't buy it either. I just, I just don't like, to me, it's like, I just like, are, there's not a lot of people dying of anemia out there, right? Like, it's not no, like a, no, it's not, it's not killing anyone. So However, I don't know. I don't know. We, we do so many things like in kind of medicine that are like these just in case measures. Mm hmm. And I just think we overdo it. Right. Like, it's like, you, we're always taking like, oh, you better just take this, you know, vitamin C just in case. Whatever it is, like, just in case to right. prevent these, like, future possibilities. But it's like, if you feel good, you're, everything else is fine. Like, I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, if you think of it, so iron helps your blood cells transport oxygen. Yeah. And I'm not feeling, you know, I, I could go out and run 10 miles on a random day and I would feel fine yeah so I, I don't think that's the issue here so yeah. i don't i don't know it's yeah it's interesting so i again i will recheck my ferritin levels yeah but i'm skeptical about receiving an iron infusion yeah you know for different reasons I, yeah. that's you now know, if you were sitting here like <laughs> i can tell you're not in as we've talked about you're not like a tired like non-life-loving person like you're like thriving and like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I certainly, if I felt amazing and, 
you know, was as thriving as you, I certainly wouldn't be getting like any injections just in case, you know? Right. But uh, obviously, you know, I don't know. I just hate when people are told to, to do right. certain things. Um, Absolutely. But anyway, um, or so to treat the, so sorry, I didn't yeah, no, cut no, you off, ahead. but to treat the issue versus trying to understand the cause and, yeah. and fix that. Yeah. Which taps into, again, preventative medicine. Totally. Totally. Which is totally. So the transition for you, it was, it was obviously pretty recent in terms yeah. of diet. So, what would you say, would you say it was hard? Like, how hard was it? Everybody, like, thinks, oh, I could, you know, I could never give up cheese. I could never, like, give up my burger. I love chicken tenders too much. Like, how hard was this to do? <laughs> to be honest, it really wasn't that hard. I, I was, I would say I was more excited about it than feeling deprived. Yeah. And I, I would consider myself a pretty black and white person when I do make a decision like, if I don't want to eat something, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Like, I used to love to eat, like, nuts were, like, my a staple of my diet. And yeah. I almonds, cashews, peanuts, walnuts, whatever. I always had those as a snack. And then after a while, I was like, I'm not feeling great eating these. Yeah. And who knows? Like, maybe I was eating too many. But once I made that decision, I, I cut out nuts, like, cold turkey, and yeah. didn't really <laughs> look yeah. back. I was, yeah. So making those types of decisions for me like come pretty easily mm. and i was never someone that was addicted to cheese or like was like oh i can never give this up yeah granted eating out or like being social and being in a social setting where people are ordering food for a table it made things that's where it was difficult but for me day to day like i don't think in my refrigerator i even had cheese or you know butter or dairy products yeah anyway unless if i was baking yeah so pretty Pretty seamless transition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I would say, again, the hardest part was more socially, like eating out or like being with friends who seem, some seem to be like super accepting and like were intrigued by it and wanted to learn more. And we're just like, wow, like good for you for like trying something different. Like, yeah. I, and someone to say like, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could ever do that. I don't think I could give up this, but like good for you. Yeah. And others almost seemed offended or were like, well, why are you doing that? Like, what do you mean you're not going to eat cheese? What do you mean you're not going to eat steak or chicken? Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, why? Are you, like, who are you doing this for? Like, don't you miss this? Mm. Like, what? Like, it's not healthy. Yeah. And so how do you approach those situations? <laughs> when, when you get kind of like the, the kind of side of it that's like, like some people are just like, yeah, that's great. Like, let me know if right. I can support you. Other people are like, like, what are you doing? This is, like, unhealthy. This is bad. Like, what, uh, you know, how do you approach that? Well, you know, you go through a series of reactions internally. You're like, well, what does it matter to you? Yeah. Like, I it, think your burger's fucking bad, you know? It's yeah, like, I'm, it's like I'm not passing judgment yeah. on you at all. I'm just yeah. saying this is what I'm doing if you're interested. And if not, fine. But, like, I'm not going to say, like, what are you doing ordering that burger? I'm just doing me. Yeah. So it it kind of threw me off guard a little bit. I was just like, whoa, I didn't expect people to be, to attack me. Yeah. And you, you know, you kind of have to sit back and be like, well, where is that coming from? Or, you know, are they interested? You know, I'm not th shoving it down their throats. I'm yeah. just saying, hey, this is what I'm trying out. Like, accept me for who I am or not. Yeah. I, I always find it interesting that like double standard, like, especially when I'm out with guys and they're like, you know, 
what are you ordering a salad? Like you, you know, and they call me some like pansy or something, right. you know? And there's like, you can make so- fun of someone for eating healthy, mm-hmm. but you can't call somebody a fat ass for them eating right. unhealthy. It's, it's like the double standard. Yeah, it's, it's like, if you can make fun of me for what I eat, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and I may call you a fat ass. You know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's the same with drinking. If you yeah. go out with a crowd and you're like, you know what? I'm going to have a water. And they're like, well, what's wrong with you? You're no fun. Or yeah, like, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. If you think about it, it's kind of a reflection of them being like, well, now I feel bad because I'm drinking. Yeah. And, and, it, and that just goes to show you there's something bad about what they're doing. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? and it's like, oh, you're not on board with this. Yeah. Like, get out. Yeah. Or like, let's start ridiculing you or like make it seem like you're doing this for other people or, you know, like this is just a fad. Yeah. Right. And no, like that's not it at all. I'm just, again, I'm fine. I want to live and feel my best self and I always want to put my best self forward each day. I want it each like, you know what, tomorrow I want it to be better than today. And I, I function feeling my best and what I put into my body has a lot to do with that. And mm. that's why, like, even just over the past two years, I've kind of cut back significantly on drinking and, you know, just the whole party scene because I, I came to a point where I was like, wow, I do not feel well, especially, you know, like the next day. And you, you work out, you're, you know, you have your regimen during the week and then you throw that all away on the weekend mm. and then you feel exhausted to enter the next week. Mm. That's not sustainable. Yeah, you're always taking two steps back. Exactly. Yeah. So when you start... And when you're putting in poor food choices into your body, your body's not going to function that well either. Mm. So I think it just comes to a point where, you know, if you're, if you want to get in tune with yourself, like it just came down to that where I was like, just kind of trial and error of what made me feel good and what didn't. Yeah. What would you say is the most, um, kind of misinterpreted aspect of eating plant-based or or being vegan that um, I know I certainly, you know, thought three years ago that vegans were crazy and and people eating plant-based were like just a little crazy, right? (laughs) What would you say, what would you say is kind of the most misunderstood aspect of it all now having been in it? I think exactly that. I don't think it's, you know, crazy at all. We're eating what comes from the earth you know as like the least amount of processed food possible and just fresh food which we're meant to eat yeah and i don't think it's crazy to want to feel good or feel like you're bringing forth your best self and making those changes you're again no it doesn't affect anyone else it's just it it's just you. You're making those choices for yourself. Mm. So I, I think the hardest thing for me to experience is people reacting in a way as if it affects them. Yeah. When I'm, I'm clearly, I'm just, I've come into this for myself, yeah. by myself. Yeah, totally. Has it impacted your family at all or those around you? Yeah. I would, again, I think it's just those reactions. Yeah. And I think my family I think it's just you know worrying like if I am receiving enough nutrients or if I am having a balanced diet and again back to like my iron levels and just like making sure I don't go off the deep end and become severely underweight yeah from (laughs) malnutrition but I don't foresee that happening yeah the 
speaking on malnutrition and kind of back to sort of the deficiency thing, um, in almost every case, again, if, if a person's switching from kind of your standard American diet with a lot of meat and dairy, and they're switching to a whole food plant-based diet, so not a junk food vegan diet, but mm-hmm. a primarily whole food plant-based diet, mm-hmm. in almost no cases ever has their like nutrition gone down. Like their levels of everything go up. They right. actually are getting <laughs> the nutrients they need that they weren't getting before. So it's funny when people think like you're going to get deficient in, in things by, um, you know, adopting a whole food plant based diet when you are actually deficient on your, your prior Western diet, I right. would argue. Right. Um, just an interesting point there. Um, cool. So to, a young lady out there or a woman or anyone that is kind of maybe they're they're struggling with an eating disorder mm-hmm. that you you had previously maybe um you know they're running like crazy like like you used to do or they're they're working their ass off in the gym like I used to do mm-hmm. and no longer need to you know? right um and they're just they can't get to the weight they want they can't feel the way they want they have aches and pains they have high blood pressure, they have all these issues, um, and they're looking to make a positive change in their life. Maybe it's towards a more plant-based diet, or maybe it's just somehow being more in tune with what they put in their body. Mm-hmm. What would you say is like the first step somebody can take? What, what worked for you? Um, you know, what, what would you recommend? Honestly, I would say just becoming more comfortable with yourself and whether that involves starting a food journal or just a lifestyle journal and you know writing down what you did that day what you ate and how you feel and starting with that and maybe you know kind of just again testing out the waters and being like you know what today or maybe just take it day by day or week by week and be like you know what this week I'm gonna try to like wean off of cheese or dairy and see how I feel and maybe you won't notice all of the positive benefits of that, but maybe you will, or maybe mm. you will start to feel a little different and be like, wow, that week I felt really good. Let me take it to two weeks and start with that. You know, you don't have to make such a drastic change or like no one has to make that black and white decision. Like I, I typically do, but I, again, I think it's just becoming comfortable with yourself and confident enough to make that choice yeah. and make that move. What do you think separates a person like you from someone who is unable to make the change just like that? So, like, for instance, you, you know, you realize maybe possibly nuts weren't making you feel good. Mm-hmm. You cut them out, right? <laughs> like, how, how are you able to do that so easily? Mm-hmm. And other people, it seems like you know, so difficult to do to get rid of the cheese or stop eating peanut butter or, or, and I'm not saying like nuts are bad. They didn't work for you, but just getting to a point where, okay, I ate those and didn't feel good. Now I'm going to cut them out. How are you able to do that versus some people just seem like at least they say so, or they're just not able to just say, Oh, that's bad for me. I'm done. I think maybe environmental factors playing a role in that, you know, Mm. depending upon who they're living with, like their spouse, their friends, their roommates, their family, you know, enforcing or just, you know, what's readily available. 
and not really wanting to crack that or kind of just giving in to like what's easy. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. So maybe just like a. Because I feel, I feel like nuts aren't like the most common things. For people <laughs> yeah, to be like, no, I, I know. I'm not I know. Saying, so not let's saying say, nuts are bad, yeah. but it just, it just wasn't working for me. Maybe to the yeah. extent that. So like, let's I say eating. I start my every day off with like my bacon, egg and cheese. Right. And I like feel like I want to take a nap at 10 a.m. every day. Like while I'm at the office. Like, some people can recognize that and say, all right, like, I'll cut this out. But other people just can't do it. I don't know. I think it's like a, I think it's interesting. I think it's hard for some and easier for others. But I don't know if it is actually hard for the people that say it's hard. <laughs> if I'm right. making any sense. Yeah, I think uh, teach their own. It's yeah. a little different for everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cool. So... Tell me one thing that maybe we haven't touched upon that you would maybe maybe something that a lot of people don't know about you that you would want to share with people. Mm, in regards to anything. <laughs> I, curveball. Curveball. I know. <laughs> I'm a, I would say I'm a pretty open book. I I am always open to new ideas. I'm excited for life, and I just. I continue to grow each day and I hope to continue to learn each day. Mm. And I don't know. I don't, I feel like I don't really have, do you still play violin? No, it's no. under, it's under our bed. It's going on eBay. <laughs> it's are, you, are you selling it right now? Pete's selling it for, for, for rent payment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, that is something I would love to pick up again. But, uh, again, to the degree I used to play a couple hours a day, I, I I loved it, and that to me helped me develop a lot of skills, and I, like almost to the point like of being coming a perfectionist to the degree I used to practice and want to perform at that level. But in college, I didn't have the time to dedicate towards it, and I just kind of lost it. I also had an issue with a teacher in college, so that kind of turned yeah. me off. Maybe from, pick it back up. Yeah. That's why I kept it. Is it something that's like easy as like riding a bike or like if you've done it before? Like, would you pick it up easily? Like I used to Irish step dance. I can't Irish step <laughs> dance anymore. No, <laughs> like, I like I don't remember. I don't remember the steps, you know, like um, could you like pick it up and like remember like your basic like, you know. Yeah, my basic scales, but yeah. I could not play to the to the caliber yeah. I played. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. It, I wish it was like the guitar, but I, I can't say that it is. Yeah. I also I opened it up when we moved and. It uh, it wasn't looking too hot. Mm. It was missing, or the st a couple of strings had broken. Yeah. So it needs some TLC. Yeah. But you know what? Never say never. Mm. So. So what's what's the future look like? Do you see yourself, uh, you know, in the in the hand and I forget the the hand field for the f the foreseeable future or like. Um. What do you see as the future for you? Yeah, I, I love it. From I, a career standpoint. I yeah. really, truly love it. And again, like I said, each day is a new day. I'm meeting new patients. I'm seeing new issues, ailments. Um, and I'm I'm constantly learning. There's still so much to tap into that field. So I feel like, you know, for right now, this is, this is where I see myself i i'm not someone to like give a five-year trajectory but i'm pretty happy i love my you know my co-workers the surgeons i work with are amazing and there's still so much to learn in that field uh however being a pa is awesome because that opens the doors 
to any field I wish. You know, I could choose a different field that's completely different, and it's a lot of on-the-job training. So I could potentially change specialties if I want to, and that's always a possibility. However, I'm really happy where I am right now, and I want to continue to master this field and build my knowledge base as well. Cool. So where can uh, people, if, if they listen to this and resonate with kind of your story and whatnot, where can they kind of get a hold of you? Instagram? Yes, Instagram. However, I am private. Okay. Um, I, I don't... I, <laughs> no, if you don't want anybody reaching out, that's yeah, cool too. No, 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 I would say Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> Instagram. It, my name okay. is uh, <laughs> Natty Blev Twenty Two. Natty Blev Twenty Two. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Last question for you, and then we'll we'll wrap this up, and we'll. What are we making? We're making um, some vegan pad thai tonight. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm fired up. I am too. <laughs> uh, so this podcast is called Eat Green, Make Green. I believe that eating green, eating plant-based, living vegan puts me in the best position to succeed at whatever it is I do in my life. And I also just know, personally, for me, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So kind of whatever I strive for at any given time is how I define the make green portion of that. So I would ask you, what does make green mean to you? Why do you eat green? Why do you now live plant-based? I I think... Probably because of how it makes me feel and how it makes me function day to day. I would say my make green person is, you know, bringing more energy to this world um, and to other people's lives and just bringing my best self forward. And I think that's what people deserve. I, you know, I try to always give my 100%, like my full attention to my patients in front of me or, you know, like any group that I'm with. I feel like I've become much more in tune with how I feel, how I make other people feel, and, you know, what I have to give. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. For those that are interested in adopting a plant-based lifestyle, you're in luck. That's what I do. I work with men and women all over the world to adopt this lifestyle, to heal inflammation, to get off their medications and treat their health at the source, which is with diet and lifestyle. My program called Seven Weeks for the Rest of Your Life is designed to teach you exactly how to transition into a healthier lifestyle. And I give you all the tools, all the resources, everything you need to adopt this lifestyle and apply it to your life for years to come. For more information on my course, pop over to eatgreenmakegreen.com slash coaching. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Have a great week. <music>